Thank you. Thank you, Heather. And I hope you were doing that at home, <laughs> sitting on the sofa, having your coffee and having a laugh at us. But, uh, but it's interesting, you know, when we're in the situation being present together, singing's not an option, really. And really, it's interesting just to see what we can do together to make us feel of a one. And I, I really think that worked really well, so thank you for that. And we'll be doing stuff like this um, in other weeks as well. And if you want to be here for the service, uh, you just have to register on the website and um, you can be here next week as well. Well, as I said, this is the first time that we've been together since March the 8th. That's 30 Sundays that we've been doing it alone here. And it's great to have uh, you all here together. And I'm so pleased that you guys could make it. Um, and I think you guys being here really does change things. The very fact of you being in this room adds a presence and a dynamic that wasn't here when you weren't here in previous weeks. Now, that may seem obvious. However, your actual presence in this room creates its own impact. Yes, there is a presence uh, as people watch through the live stream. However, you being here affects us. I'm immediately affected by being here. And those of us who've been here without you here, it's a different experience. And I want to look at why that is. Meister Eckhart, the 13th century German mystic, in his 26th sermon says, My body is more in my soul than my soul in my body. My body is more in my soul than my soul in my body. My body and soul are more in God than they are in themselves. My body and soul are more in God than they are in themselves. And in that, he's saying that our bodies are in fact, our bodies are a part of our soul, and our soul is a part of God. So you being here, you're not just bringing your bodies, but you're radiating something more than your bodies in your souls. And they are in turn manifesting a part of God. And multiply that by however many people there are in this room. And you see the huge impact that you're bringing into this room, that you're having. Your, your presence makes a difference. And the word presence is, is an interesting word. It comes from the, the old French word, which means existing in time, evident at hand and at reach. And it's from two words, pre, P-R-A-E, which means before, and essay, which means to be. So the word present means really to be before. And that's how you get the sense of the word being there. You're being before. We're, we're being before each other. We're being there together. We're being here together. And presence is an interesting thing. I've always wondered, you know, how presence affects things. And there's a lovely Buddhist story, which I really like, about uh, there was a, 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 um, a husband and wife who were getting married, and, and the parents sent, first of all, 
the bride to the Buddha to be blessed. And so the bride comes along, opens the Buddha's tent, goes into the tent, looks at the Buddha's presence, is immediately struck by his presence, kneels down on the ground and becomes a disciple and refuses to go home. So the parents get very upset, so they then send that, 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 the husband to go and sort her out. So the husband, of course, turns up at the Buddha, opens his tent flap, goes in, boom, is in the Buddha's presence and kneels to the ground, and he doesn't want to get married or go home. So the parents decide that they're going to send an assassin to kill the Buddha, because that's the only way that's going to sort this out. So the assassin, of course, comes along with his dagger, opens the tent, goes in in front of the Buddha, is in the Buddha's presence drops the knife, falls to the ground, and also becomes a disciple. So there's a sense in the Buddha stories of that presence being there. And it's also, you know, you can see the spiritual effect in that, in the Bible as well, in lots of places, that famous passage uh, in the Bible, the transfiguration. That's where you get the sense of Jesus's presence. It, it, It says, Peter Jesus took Peter, John, and James with him up into a mountain to pray. So up a mountain. We always know when in the Bible, when they go up a mountain, a spiritual experience is about to happen. They go up a mountain, and sure enough, as he's praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking to Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, when they saw his glory and the two men with him. And as the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, is it good for us to be here? Let's put up shelters, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And while he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The extraordinary effect of Jesus's soul's presence opening to the disciples, containing the wisdom of both Moses and Elijah. And actually, just for me in that passage, Jesus is revealing in his presence the information that Moses and Elijah left in consciousness. He was able to access it and reveal it through his presence to his disciples. Just as now, we can access the information that Jesus left in consciousness, the wisdom that each of us leaves after we die and others follow. And Jesus left that information. We can sense that presence of Jesus' information in consciousness in a very real way. And, you know, we can, we can receive that information, the, the wisdom that he left us. And then we can access that information and reveal it to others through our presence. You know, the purpose of a preacher, the purpose of a priest, to some extent, is to reveal that information that's been left for us to discover. And that includes not just words, but it includes our very being. You know, when we actually preach, when we, when we reveal our presence to each other, we're revealing our, our very being. Those famous quote from Sir Francis of Assisi, who said, supposed to have said, I preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. And he's talking about the effect of his presence on those around him. Because we know that we're more than just our bodies. You know, we're our smells. We're the vibration, the energy that we give off. We're the sights that others see of us. 
where our actions, where the sounds that we make, all of which is just more than our bodies. So we're more than just our physicalities, and that's the presence that we give off. There are some teachers that we know who, you know, could teach us just by reading out the phone book. I mean, James Finley, when he came, I mean, he could just read the phone book and we get stuff from him, you know. Robert Kennedy is another one, that Zen master. He could just literally, and the way he read the phone book, we would just get everything he was saying. It's their presence that's teaching us. A combination of everything that they're manifesting as well as the way that we're receiving it. Because, you know, you've got to be open to presence. If you're not open to the presence of a great spiritual teacher, then you'll just walk on by without noticing. Whereas others will immediately sense that there's something special about this person. Look at the story of the woman uh, with the issue of blood who touched the hem of Jesus' garment. A woman, it says here, a large crowd followed and pressed around Jesus. And a woman was there who was subject to bleeding for 12 years. And she suffered a great deal under the care of doctors and hadn't got anywhere. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and she touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from the suffering. And once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, he turned to the and said, who touched my clothes? And, you know, the disciples says, there are people all around you. Everyone's pressing around you. But he knew that the woman had touched him. And knowing that, what had happened, she came and she fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the truth. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now, everyone in the crowd was around Jesus, and yet that woman was open to the presence affecting her in a way that nobody else was. So presence has to be received as well as given out. If we're open to the presence of someone affecting us, then we're open to receiving that person's presence. Ultimately, we all have Each of us has the same presence. We're just hiding it in ways that stop us expressing it. And also, we're hiding it in ways that stop others receiving it. As Meister Eckhart says, my body is more than my soul, and my soul is more than my body. My body and soul are more in God than they are in themselves. We can express that. Or we can hide it because... We don't think it true. We think we're not worthy to express the true nature of the divine. We hide it by the way that we act, by how we deport ourselves, by our attitudes and by the way we control the way we come across to others. The wall we can act out of the universal mind and act out of our souls rather than acting out of our rational minds, the more our true presence can come across. And the less we make judgments about others because of their skin or their behavior, the more we can release ourselves to receive the presence of others. Ultimately, 
I think the whole course of evolution right up to that omega moment or that, that second coming, it's all about the realization of presence. The completion of all this comes where all consciousness recognizes its divine origins in everything else. The, the culmination of all of this is where all consciousness recognizes the divine origins in everything else, where we all see that we come from the same source and we're all looking at each other from the same place. To get to that point, we have to fully give and to fully receive the presence that exists in ourselves and in all of creation. We have to see that my body and soul are more in God than they are in themselves. And you know, everything has a presence. A rock has a presence. This pillar, it has a presence. It says things. You can, it has a presence in itself. A tree, a flower. It's easy to say that they have presence. It's easier to say that they have presence than they have consciousness. But I think it's such a similar thing. You can say that that pillar has presence, and you go, oh, yeah, it has presence. But if I say that pillar has consciousness, you go, well, hang on, it's just a pillar. But there is something of the same. Look at the experience of presence we have walking in the mountains. You can really sense the presence of nature, which is why for some, nature is their church. We can see presence in dogs and cats, in all animals. We can even see presence in clouds and in the sunsets. You know, sometimes we call them potents. I looked and there was a potent, but really it's just presence. It's just that speaking to us. It is the divine speaking through the particularity of everything and saying, as that famous koan says, if there is even a hair's breadth between heaven and earth, are clearly separated. If there is even a hair's breadth difference between, then heaven and earth are clearly separated. In other words, heaven and earth are not separated. There is not a hair's breadth between anything. We are all of a one. And if we could recognize that presence in each other and everything else in nature, then we would experience that. And so, you know, we have our presence here together. Yes, we still have presence, you know, as we watch on our screens. But it's easier to get to the point of that presence when we're in the room together. Actually, there should be no difference where we are, whether we're digitally manufactured or in the fresh. But you can see that the digital footprint contains substantially less information than the person-to-person -person experience. You can see it in terms of information. I like to see things in terms of information. And the digital footprint is just, you know, ones and noughts. You can only put a certain amount in that digital footprint of ones and noughts. But, you know, to be together in person, I can pick up everything else because all my presence is being with all of your presence. And it's easier to experience that presence. It's much more information is available. But the thing is that unless we're open to that information, we just close ourselves down to some sort of impact, the same impact. If we close ourselves down by our judgments, 
we actually close ourselves down to the same sort of impact as if we were digitally together. You know, sound and vision, a bit of body language, and maybe a bit of smell, but most of us close down to the true presence of the impact that others have on us. And we have on others pretty much that, you know, there is no difference between seeing them on television and seeing them in the flesh because we've made so many judgments about it. We decide what's going on so quickly with a look, with a tone of voice, with a word, that we really don't look for anymore. We're not open to any more than our judgments. We lose all the other dimensions that exist in presence. Our minds close it down. We close everything down so it's just like a Zoom call. Even if we're in the room with someone, our minds cut to a decision and so miss the rest of the information, which is why Jesus says, do not judge. What's happening is that we're choosing to live in the presence of our own minds rather than in any other presence. That's what we choose. We choose to exist in the presence of our own mind. For most of us, the presence that our mind generates and our willingness to receive it almost unfiltered blocks out our seeing all the other presence and everything else that's in front of us. In meditation, we don't focus on our mind. We take our attention away from the presence of the mind and instead focus on the presence of the body or the candle frame or the mantra. And when we take away that all-consuming presence of the mind, we're left to appreciate the presence of everything else that's around us. We can receive the presence of this or that person, the sunset, the trees around us. By being present to all that, rather than just being present to our minds, we're able to receive the presence that's being given out around us by everything. Our presence then meets with the presence of our surroundings and we begin to experience the oneness of everything, as opposed to the separateness that the mind would have us believe in. All of the created order comes together in a presence that's always here. And it's always available to us if we could but perceive it. The realization of presence is the inner secret of enlightenment. The realization of presence is the inner secret of enlightenment. The woman with an issue of blood got her mind out of the way sufficiently to receive the power. The disciples were similarly affected by Jesus at the transfiguration, Moses at the burning bush, Muhammad in the cave, Buddha under the tree. They all got, got their minds out of the way to be able to experience the presence of what was around them what I would call the grand presence, the unfiltered awareness of creation expressing itself and our willingness to receive it. All spiritual training is in fact a training in realizing that presence is all around us. It's why we meditate and why we come together to remind ourselves so that when we go out into the world, we don't forget and we don't become enthralled by our minds. Thrall, the state of being in someone else's power or having great power over someone. We are so often enthralled by our minds 
that we become slaves of the mind. And by becoming slaves of the mind, we block our ability to receive the true presence that exists all around us. Our absence from each other during the pandemic has given us a new chance to relook at that, to relish the full presence of each other rather than the digital download of Zoom. And to do that, we have to be open, open to expressing ourselves fully and not controlling, open to fully receiving each other and not cutting people off at the legs by judging them, open to suspending the continual chatter of the mind so that we can receive the presence of the environment. Our presence is everything we have in this life, and we can only express it while we're alive. After we're dead, it becomes fixed information in consciousness for others to learn from. So when you're out and about, be open. Relish the presence of others around you. It is the juice and the fuel of transformation. It is the mystical secret of presence. Now I'm just going to do, if you'll be willing to join in with me, just a little exercise in that nature of presence. Um, and just a, a, an opportunity for you to um, just get in touch with that experience of presence. So if you're, if you're open to doing this, what I'm going to ask you to do is just to close your eyes for a moment. Just close your eyes. Just sit back in your chair. And we're just going to do a little ex ex exploration of presence. So close your eyes. Now welcome the presence of yourself, the beating of your heart, your breath, yourself sitting in the chair. Welcome me, my voice, my presence. Welcome a sense of knowing that I'm here. Now welcome others who are in this room with us here and others who are out on the live stream. Welcome the environment of the chapel. Welcome the atmosphere here. Welcome the presence of all around in the silence. Now open your eyes. And just look at what's in front of you. Drink in what's in front of you. Welcome its presence. Enable it to touch your soul and change you. Feel it. The peace. Everything coming towards you. And welcome it. So any thoughts uh, from you? We're going to have our, our conversation here. <laughs> I would involve you, but there's no microphone at the moment. Any thoughts from you on that? I just think it's so interesting that, that everyone and everything has its own inner aliveness that's yeah. very specific to that thing. Like this, this glass of water, it's got its own presence, like you said, that pillar. And, and um, 
just that we it's like our job our responsibility is to bring out bring forth our own inner aliveness which is so particular to who we are and um and that's our job that's what we we have to do um i i this week i i spent some time with a a line from a john o'donohue poem that's just simply draw alongside the silence of stone until its calmness can claim you Say that again. Draw, draw alongside the silence of stone. The silence of stone. Draw alongside the silence until, of stone. Until its calmness can claim you. So like even a stone, like anything can, a stone has such presence. And the calmness of stone, like how can that affect, what can we learn from a stone? What can we learn from anything? So just this sense that, and, and I love the image of a candle, you know, like um, a candle is just like the wax in a wick. Is, is, that's it, until you light it, and then, then the fragrance and, and the heat and everything comes out of it. And so we have to, we have to set aflame that, the, the aliveness within us. That's, that's our job. That's my... And it tends to be our minds that stop us doing that. You know, we, we just cancel out any possibility of things affecting us so much. And if we get into a mountain, we can really feel the presence around us. Uh, but otherwise, you know, we're just always making judgments and therefore not fully receiving all that's being offered because it doesn't actually fit with our view of it. Yeah, and, and going back to the body prayer earlier, I mean, the, the, basically we experience presence, if you think about it, through, through, our, through our sensation, don't we? Yeah. That's why it's so important to engage our, our bodies and to wake our bodies up because it's through literally our bodies and sensation that we experience anything. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Anything else? Oh, lots I've got a of bit things, of Rumi. Okay, let's do Rumi. I found this little bit of Rumi, which, <laughs> which I always love this. I've known this poem before, but I always love this poem. And, and it, it's really what happens when you go beyond the mind uh, in terms of this. It's very short, so don't panic. Out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make any sense. 